Welcome to episode 48 of the Becoming Human podcast. This is Proving Grounds, part two. This series showcases a jiu-jitsu tournament based out of Seattle. Welcome to episode 48 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. This is Proving Grounds Part 2. This little mini-series showcases competition. Why? Welcome to Episode 48 of the Becoming Human Podcast. And I'm your host, Will Nelson. Hmm. What you doing, folks? Man, it's kind of weird. I don't even get a response. I don't, I don't know why I say that. I at least hope everything's going well with y'all. Spring's coming up on us pretty quickly. And here in the Pacific Northwest, I'm stoked for it. It's just been a little bit overcasty for a long-ass time. I didn't think it would affect me. I try to make... I try to see the positives uh, of all climates, you know, so I can maximize my happiness. But it's hard. I still love it when it's sunny out. (laughs) Welcome to episode 48 of the Becoming Human podcast, and I'm your host, Will Nelson. In this episode... Welcome to episode 48 of the Becoming Human podcast. This is Proving Grounds Part 2. This little series covers my coach my teammates, and my preparation for a jiu-jitsu tournament. I find it interesting what compels the individual to compete and what kind of value that they can pull out of it for themselves. I always thought it was simply to be better than the other person. I didn't realize how much you're actually competing with your own self and how you can Use it as a tool to overcome obstacles. I mean, look at it this way. If I was really insecure, I was filled with self-doubt. When I would go to a tournament, especially with a group of other people who were doing the same thing, and I said, oh, I'm not going to win. I'd get social feedback telling me otherwise. And... I would also have the opportunity to communicate with those who are successful in a tournament or unsuccessful, and I would have more feedback. And sure, it applies to whatever sport or activity that you're interested in, like jiu-jitsu or running or archery. However, there's universal principles nestled within any discipline, within any activity, that can be applied to our lives. I don't understand the entirety of what universal principles I could encounter through competition because I'm just starting out. But since starting, even at the early stages, I have already experienced a wealth of benefits within my own life from competing. And I realize that a lot of my competitors are just out to be better versions of themselves. So when I win, And when I lose, I'm right there with them, supporting each other, pushing each other to the next thing. 
I've seen this in many other disciplines or activities as well, whether that's running, archery, hell, even hockey. Even from a hobby, hobby standpoint or recreation, if you don't want to spend every waking hour or you don't want to become the top 10% in a given activity, there's a lot of value in tackling a challenge such as a competition. I've experienced like a lot of camaraderie in all of this. I mean, I never grew up, you know, going with a football team to to go compete. So having this experience, preparing with my teammates, I mean, from adults to even kids, and my coach, I mean, it's a really rewarding experience, and it's filled with a lot of surprises. Hell, I've surprised myself at almost every twist and turn. Well, I'm using these episodes to. Uh, this one specific, specifically to showcase how my teammates and I prepare for the tournament and what lessons that we've learned that are applicable to ourselves within jiu-jitsu and within our daily lives. If you guys like the show, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere that you find this stuff. You can even drop a comment on the website. That's becominghumanpodcast.com. And go ahead and check out uh, Livewire MMA on Facebook too. And even KYS Promotions for Proving Grounds. They throw a pretty rad event. I mean, compared to like Naga, there's. Proving Grounds is just a little more exciting for me. <laughs> I, I like the um, submission only aspect of it, whereas opposed to the point system in Proving Grounds. Or, I mean, I mean Naga. Go check out Livewire MMA on Facebook. And KYS Promotions, too. They throw on Proving Grounds. I really like this tournament. It's submission only. It's my first submission only tournament, in fact. Naga, um, North American Grappling Association's tournaments are by points. And that's all that I've competed in. But a submission tournament where you must win by, uh, by submission, breaking, you know, by choke or by joint lock really forces me to be aggressive and not to stall or play it safe and taking that risk is something that makes me uncomfortable it was nice to confront that in this tournament I've learned a lot and I can't wait to take it to the next tournament and into my races (laughs) man this is fun enjoy this podcast bye
your blue belt in the last year. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. Just took second this Saturday? I mean, come on, man. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Seriously, though, man. Dude, tonight we were rolling. You gave me a good roll, dude. I, you were coming at me hard, and you made me work for it, for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've quickly... If, like internalize so many of the principles and gain proficiency within jujitsu, man. It's it's a real big feat within anything. Mm-hmm. Cause, I mean, you see people who spend years trying to understand something. It's yeah. not just Alfie too, man. Mm-hmm. Rolling with you, you're a whole different animal than you were almost a year yeah. ago. You it, know? it helps having mm-hmm. people who are just like genuinely interested in it because then it's like it just motivates me not to eat my own bullshit, not to say today uh, it's okay to go easy or whatever, mm-hmm. or it's okay. Not necessarily easy, but it's okay not to pay attention as much today. Yeah. It's like, I'm fully here, but I'm also excited for it. Not because, like, trying to be better, but it's because you guys can do it, I can do it too. And so I realize my own potential. Yeah, Yeah, I know what you mean, though. It really helps having, like, more experienced people. Like, uh, it's good to talk with Matt about those kinds of things, too. Yeah. It can really help you through those kinds of situations guide you on the right way it's like a what do you call it like one of those service dogs for blind people yeah yeah and that was another nice thing about the tournament too because i've competed in tournaments where like i was by myself and i've noticed a huge difference in how that how much that tournament meant to me or how i thought of the tournament is when i had people with me and when i was by myself Mm. And overall, it was really nice to have that community aspect of it, especially when I had your ass and, like, I was uh, for the arm bar, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, listening to you, the shit fires me up, and it just tells my fucking, like... Oh, when I, like, got super excited when you got it? Yeah, and it tells myself, like, all right, you're not tired, come on, let's go. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I got, like, a second win. It's, yeah, it's nice. Oh, was that your first match, right? Yeah, that was my first match for the armbar. Yeah. Same thing kind of happened at Alfie's first tournament. He, uh, I think he was his second or third match. Uh, it was a really long, hard match, and he he came out and uh, he was real tired. And he was sitting there. He's like, "I'm I'm not sure if I can do nogi after this. You know, I'm real tired." And Matt basically looked at him and said, <laughs> "Shut up." <laughs> and, he's like, no, 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 no. and you know, I said I, I was a little softer with my words, but I, I wanted to encourage him too. But like, I was like, "No, man, you need to go out there and do it." But, <laughs> Mad as the coach was like, dude, no, fuck that, you're going out, you're going to compete. Yeah. Yes. yes. And dude, he went out and he did great. But yeah, you got that second win, though, especially after uh, especially after standing on the podium. Yeah, you know, the second yeah. Place. yeah, that, yeah. that motivates you, because you're like, cool, I wanted to get second, at least second, and I got second, so now I'm, I feel like I'm ready, because even if I took last in Nogi, which is what I did, it was still just like, it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at like, least just for the experience. It's like it relieves that pressure off of you in order to be able to uh, to perform well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, And still, even though it's submission, it was submission only. Like if it was a pointed, if it was a pointed tournament, I would have, I would have easily taken second probably. Mm-hmm. I think the only uh, in the nogi, mm-hmm. in the nogi one, because mm-hmm. like I had pages back for like almost the oh. entire round, and then that older dude who was grappling with us, I think he got top position on me more than anything else. But then, yeah, the Did guy who caught me in the leg lock. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I swept him. I don't. I don't know the points as well as. Yeah. Well, um, it's a nice thing about doing the submission only because I realized with the point system, I would win, and I'd win more often than not by points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas that makes it to where in my grappling, for instance, I don't have to work on my submissions as much or be as aggressive in my submissions because if mm-hmm. I just pass on a submission as long as I maintain dominant position and transition over, then. I'd still win. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah, just dominance. Like I was saying about this tournament, if it was points only, man, like my my game plan would be just double leg, get them get them to the ground, get to side control, and just basically hold them for the entire time. Yeah. And let, if they almost retain guard, maybe even let them get guard, so I can just pass it again and get more points. Oh yeah. Because every time you pass the guard and hold it for four seconds after you establish control, you get points. Four points right there. So with the point of tournament, if they pass your guard. Is that points, or do they have to pass and like solidify? They have to solidify minutes? it for uh, not minutes, but uh, four, seconds. four seconds. They have to hold a position for four seconds, whether it's north, south, or uh, side control. I'm not sure if half guard is considered passing the guard. I'd have to look that up. Uh, but half guard sweeps would count as a sweep. Though. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. Any uh, a sweep is considered anything anytime you use your legs to sweep them. So there's certain times where I've seen scrambles where a guy scrambled and ended up on top, but they didn't consider it a sweep. Uh, for some reason, and I could have swore it was a sweep. Yeah. They didn't count it as a sweep as far as points go. There's also takedowns where they don't count that I've seen that I could have swore it was a takedown, but it wasn't because yeah. the guy either got up quick enough or, you know, they just didn't hold it long enough. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to go to Naga with mm-hmm. the kids and stuff and see because that'll be a different way to train as well because that's one thing I always do is I'm so quick to go to my back, mm-hmm. which is a game plan I think I'll, I need to stay away from for a little bit. Especially now as a blue belt, because I want to do more than just submission-only tournaments. I feel like it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like bailing to my back and bailing to guard or half guard or open guard isn't going to be the solution to all the issues. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, I can sweep for days. I you know in this tournament, my first match, I hit like th- I hit three sweeps and like which what two points each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my guard passed only. I like I watched the video that Trevor took and. Um, I only, he would pass my guard for, and he held it for less than two seconds. That's all he could hold it yeah, for? Yeah, that's, that's all he passed. He passed, got the side control, and I got my half guard back immediately. But that's, still, that's not the best strategy. <laughs> your sweeps looked freaking awesome from half guard, though. Like, honestly, they looked better than I felt like I could probably do them in a live role against someone. I was I was pretty jealous of the way you were controlling their legs with the lockdown and, ele- and you're getting on your side and then elevate them. You, I was surprised at how easy it was to sweep. Like, I, he maybe he's just not used to uh, going against or competing against somebody who has a half guard game mm-hmm. because his weight was completely off. Like, all you guys are used to it, mm-hmm. so you know where to base out and where to whatever. But like, I felt like as soon as I got on my hip, he just gave me this. It almost felt like he rolled himself. Yeah. Like, over. <laughs> and that's what a good sweep feels like. Though, <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, they were they were beautiful. If I if I showed you like a video from your first tournament and what you were doing from your half guard mm-hmm. and a video of what you were doing at the last one, it was like you were doing the first one I was always yelling like I was yelling at you to get on your side, get your head under, don't let him get the you know, get the wizard or anything like that. This time I didn't have to say any of that because you were doing it instantly right away and your yeah. your sweeps were beautiful. It was awesome. Yeah. And I think I'm gonna keep try to keep using that as like my safety net. Yeah, at the very least, I can mm-hmm. use that as a safety net. Because if it's a point in tournament, it's at least two points. If it's a submission only tournament, mm-hmm. then it's at least a guard that I know people can't pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I get higher up, uh, it'll be different. But I think still, even with blue belts, it'll be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But I've had you guys pass it, or try to pass it, or whatever. So many times too, I know what to do when that's happening too. Because the first time I put you in that half guard when I was working it. You'd use your foot and you'd snap down on the ground over and over again. Yeah. But because you did that here, mm-hmm. I was I learned okay as soon as he lifts up, I can tell he's about the beaver tail, so I could I would just slide my leg up further, like slide my hook rather than keeping it on the mat, mm-hmm. so for you to slam your ankle down on mm-hmm. it, I would just slide it up further up your shins. So even if you did slam it back down, it wouldn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But that's a good thing because in a tournament, if someone's doing that, or you can hear a coach like slam and slam your ankle down, it's like, oh, now I know what to do. Well, it's good for both our evolution too because that made me have to stop trying that and yeah. work on other ways to pass your guard. Yeah. One thing I was really impressed was that belly down armbar you got, Will. Oh yeah. I'm trying to watch for those arm bars a lot more now instead of just hyper focus on that triangle. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea. I didn't even know that triangle was your thing until like the last couple of weeks before the tournament too. Yeah. Dude, when I, when I saw you getting ready for that triangle through, I was like, oh, you're a <laughs> yeah, you, did it, you did it. And then, like, I saw, you, like, came and stopped you. And I was just like, oh, man. Yeah, okay. So bad. Yeah, so, that was bullshit. Yeah, it was, I didn't know that, I guess I should have read, read the rules a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, read I, read I read through them, them at all, so. I read through them, like, three times, and I don't really? remember ever seeing something about that. Yeah, they were telling me that, yeah, flying anything, uh, or jumping, um, takedowns? Falling? Yeah, falling. It's a falling triangle or a falling armbar. They said it's too dangerous for white belts. Oh, really? Because they might hurt themselves. What they? Yeah. And then there also was a slam thing, too. I saw that one of the um, guys that I was competing with, they uh, took him to the, or did a takedown or whatever, mm-hmm. and it didn't look like a slam at all. It just looks like he slapped out. Yeah. And because it was so loud, the coach called it off as a foul. Well, see, in my division, I saw an Apon, I think it's called an Apon Samanage. Epon. Epon Samanage? Yeah. Yeah, it's a... So basically, you extend one arm out, and then while they're, or they, you let them push against you while you're standing up on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So if you have a 50-50 grip, he's punching his fist into your chest and pushing you back. Okay. So you take your right hand, and you bring it underneath, right underneath their armpit. You're almost grabbing it with, um, you're almost grabbing it, like, with your elbow. Oh, it's like Pac-Man. Okay. Yeah, and then you, you kind of, like, from there, go to an immediate turtle position while shucking them forward and bumping your hip back into it. It's a dangerous move. It is a very dangerous move. Um, and Matt showed it to me. He told me he's never showed like a white belt it because he saw Hector was going for it a lot. Mm-hmm. But he showed it to me, and he was like, you know, I want you to use this if that's happening because you'd always see me and Hector getting that same tug-of-war style, like, I don't know what to do, judo stance. Yeah. And, uh, but I saw like this, this, 50 something, or this 50-year-old dude in my division hit it on this, like, 19-year-old kid. What? Yeah, they didn't say a word about it. Yeah, I remember, because yeah. we were standing next to each other, Jack, and he was like, Dude. we were just like, oh, jeez, watch out for that guy's judo. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that guy, though, was also a lacrosse coach. Oh, really? So he, he's in good shape. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it, it was ridiculous, but they didn't they didn't stop or say anything about it. Really? Yeah, because that's what I was worried about, going for the Ogoshi mm-hmm. throw is... Yeah, it's like, well, if someone slaps out, is that considered a slam? Or if you land in that case like a Tommy position... Does that count as a slam or not? Mm-hmm. We it's a throw. Yeah. We and also the guys in judo generally they teach that throw to throw them on the back. Mm-hmm. But generally in real life, like if you throw someone with an epon or a negoshi, you want to throw them directly on their head. Really? Yeah. So it's like oh. if you're in the street, like that's how they teach it in Japan. <laughs> oh my gosh. The only reason that they don't throw people on their head is because in Japan they generally train on actual bamboo floors. They don't use mats. Yeah, they, they train judo on bamboo floors. Yeah. That's, that's in a intense. lot of schools. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I mean, there's a lot of judo schools that use mats too, but yeah. I've heard of judo schools that were just straight bamboo floors. That's Dang. intense. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine throwing someone on their head on that. Yeah. Oh, be trained like that. Yeah. How do you slap out with your head? Well, that's why yeah, they train exactly. to throw them on the back oh, because they don't okay. want to throw each other on the head. But in reality, if you're gonna throw someone in a fight, like you defending yourself. Yeah. yeah in a defense situation, you want to throw them on their head. Sorry, yeah. I should have made that a little more clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I need to do a lot more stand-up work, too. That's yeah. For sure. yeah. Everybody does. Oh, yeah, see? Yeah. So what is considered a, uh, a slam, then? Um, like, maybe uh, 
like say you have your you have your guard on someone yeah. really tight and they lift you up, they stand up all the way and then they just throw their body weight onto you. Oh, like okay. On. Or you have their back and seat belt mm-hmm. seat belting them and they stand all the way up. I had a guy do that to me one time actually. He stood all the way up, jumped back and slammed me. Holy crap. Like yeah. a wrestler slam. Yeah. Yeah. And he was bigger than Trevor and Jeez. probably just about as strong. He Ooh. like he puts up scaffolding for a living living and stuff for boats and like uh, on the sides of boats so they can work on giant boats and stuff anyway. But yeah, the dude freaking I had a, I had a backpack on him. I'm way smaller than him, and he didn't like to tap, so he just stood all the way up and slammed me. And I put on, I held on as tight as I could. And it was the one time I ever got mad rolling, and so I held on until we rolled, and then I sprawled him out and uh, flat on his stomach, cupped over his chin, and choked him as hard as I could, because it was like, man, that was really dirty. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, trying to hurt. Well, that size. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's easily two twenty. Yeah, so is it? Is it such an ego thing? Too, mm-hmm. thing I think. Yeah, it's an ego thing. People mm-hmm. who are big don't like getting tapped by people who are smaller than them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is something that like we'll face. We will, we will face. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I can understand that because I've dealt with the opposite, which is being not necessarily so small, but like not very athletic, mm-hmm. and so I just assume that everyone would be able to fuck me up. And oh then, man, you're in pretty good shape. That's where no, I got. To, that's where <laughs> I got to the point where like result does not meet like what I actually think of myself for, by any means. Yeah, so I'm, like, yeah. It out. That's why that tournament was really cool and doing all the other tournaments because there it's like I have to put a hundred percent effort and whatever the outcome is, like you know, sure this could be luck, but um, it's it's me ultimately, and mm-hmm. it's just me getting better. And as long yeah. as I'm like actually growing. Then yeah, shit's fucking fine. See, so, yeah, and I admire that mindset because I have expectations, and it's like I don't want to have expectations. I wish I could go in there and just be like, "Well, win or lose, this <laughs> time getting better." It's like I can't do that. Yeah, like I don't feel as motivated if I if I don't do it. Like I, like I'm the com- I'm of that competitive mindset so much. Like even at work, like when I'm getting busy, like I get like excited because I'm like. Like, on the line. If I get, like, a bunch of tickets, I get, like, stoked. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to do so fucking oh, yeah. good. I'm going to get everybody, keep ticket times under this amount of time and all that stuff. But, like, that's what makes me feel good is, like, that competition aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So if I don't place, if I didn't place in this tournament, I was going to be super, super upset. And, like, I think that's what pissed me off is, you know, tied the first match. Second match, I lost. I'm like, crap, okay. And mm-hmm. I was watching the other people go. I was like, that dude has six points. That dude has six points. That guy, if he wins this match, or if he stalemates this match, he has two points. I'm literally in last place. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I have to win the next two matches, or I will not place. And then I won, and I won the next two matches, and I placed. But, like, I know that about myself, to know that I had to do that, otherwise I couldn't have... Like, I don't I don't know what I would have done if I wouldn't have placed, which is, like, which is something I need to eventually get over, but... Like, at least I can admit that. And I, yeah, exactly. Because you're able to admit that so you can be honest with it and, you know, try to understand it. And then you, uh, I, I wonder, though, how it would benefit, or how it benefits you, because, you know, in the 11th hour or whatever, kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> and you get the, you two, pull the two submissions through, or you get all the fucking food out on time. And I know where that is, or I can relate to that, because, like, when I was a chef, we would have literally just railed out with tickets. And it's like... It feels good, dude. Yeah. You get all this out. Exactly. That yeah. was what what I used to say in there was like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here cause, so I don't have to run around. And then when I left the kitchen, a part of me was like, man, I like that chaos. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, at the end. But the only thing that sucks about like the end of all that when all those tickets go out is like, fuck, now we got to clean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bleach did not smell good. Yeah. And so I understand that 
like Alfred, you obsess over Hathgard currently, and you obsess over uh, doing like working the legs, right? And leg locks and stuff. Um, it's trying kind of, to get out of being an obsession or yes. a, a go-to. That's what I'm yeah. trying to understand. Um, like, you get to a point where you start kind of like you go in phases. Mm-hmm. So like, <clears throat> at first you're trying to learn everything that you can, and uh, then you start to kind of figure out like, oh, I really like this. This is kind of cool. Like kind of like Alfie with his half guard recently in the last few months. He kind of figured out, oh, I'm I'm pretty good at this. I'm gonna I'm gonna explore this. And it's kind of become a phase. And th- you're going to eventually move on from that and build on, like, some- you're going to get really, really into something else. So leg locks was kind of like my first, like, my first love. That was my first thing that I got really good at and I could tap. Well, I guess arm bars were, but leg locks to a bigger extent. And then I got really into top game and holding pressure. And that's kind of what I'm into right now is uh, really trying to hold pressure mm-hmm. and just pressure. be on top. And not necessarily pressure, but, like, make it to where when I'm, like, I want to be unsweepable. That's mm. what I really want to get to a point where, like, it's really hard to sweep me. If I don't want to let you sweep me, I don't want to be, like, I, I want to be unsweepable. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take a long time <laughs> yeah. to get to that point. <laughs> but uh, it's that's kind of my goal at the moment. And when you say unsweepable, like, uh, some people would be, like, like super tense, uh, you know, super energetic. But mm-hmm. you mean, like, relaxed. Very holding your center gravity. Right? Very relaxed. And I don't mean unsweepable. There's always going to be people that can yeah. sweep you and stuff. But what I mean is, like... What I mean, like, you get to a point where you, uh, most of the people that you roll with, or even the really good guys, have a really, really hard time sweeping you. Oh, okay. And you can, like, basically transition between positions and just frustrate your opponent until they make a mistake. So, uh, the top game is kind of, like, something that I'm really starting to get into that uh, I kind of neglected for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was re- I'm really good off my back, so that's kind of something I always, I always kind of... It's your gravitate. comfort zone. Yeah, it's my yeah. comfort zone. I kind of gravitate to it all the time. Mm-hmm. I pull guard a little too much, so I've been trying to work on the top game a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's a, like, Jack told me, he's like, oh, cool, now that you're good at half guard or whatever, you should start working on open guard. So I've been doing that so much, and mm-hmm. nobody can, I, I hate saying nobody, but like, the, um, usually it's really hard for people to pass my guard. I can count on like one hand the amount of times it gets passed. Um, by people of my same, like, skill level. Like, I mean, Jack can pass it, and Matt can pass it, mm-hmm. so. You know, I'll, I'll come home, and Trevor and I will be like, yeah, sweet, so we did pretty good today, too. Like, you know, oh, cool, I got this submission on this person, or like, yeah, dude, my guard got passed twice, only twice today. Mm-hmm. So, like, with that open guard and being able to transition, and even if they pass, getting your guard back immediately. So I was working on that, and I realized a lot with those retain guard retention tools, like, you're cutting angles constantly, so you'll find those arm bars and those omoplatas, especially, like, Straight arm locks are always there too. They're just harder to finish. But yeah, I have no idea. Matt really, Matt really messed my head today when we were rolling. <laughs> he was saying he was like he was like whispering to me like part of it was him just talking smack, but like part of it was him being serious. He's like throw all that daily heva out, throw everything else out. Like it's time for you to focus back on the basics. Like uh, he's like you need to just go to normal guard. Like go to this, go to that. Mm-hmm. He's like yeah. Like, go back to the basics. He's like, well, your transitions are better as a, as a four-stripe white belt. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, God. Oh, no. I, I thought I was doing really well, too. Mm-hmm. I thought I, I thought I had position on him, but it was all off my back. So I think top pressure, top top control will have to be something I focus a lot on from now on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm all messed up. I'm like, <laughs> guessing myself. So when you, get, when you got your blue belt, do you put yourself in, like, a different container of expectation? Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Well, like I was, th- I was talking to Jack. I was like, I can't wait to roll tonight because this dyed piece of cotton yeah. now means that I'm so much better than I was four days ago. <laughs> so now that this is blue instead of white, I should be this much better than I was like, yeah, less than a week ago. I noticed you're trying to get that tighter grip today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like, I need to steer away from that cross collar grip, cross the pub grip though now. Why? I, because I've been doing it so much, it's like time to move on to the next thing. Just like what he was saying about um, phases. Exactly. Yeah. And trying to work out a bit. Is that hard? Is that a hard thing to do when you've realized that, oh, I've, um, I need to go on to the next thing? Very hard. It's, what is it? Like breaking your comfort zone or um, something else? It's more so like you think you're, you think you're on to something that's like, oh, yeah, this is like you think you're training the right way because you're tapping everyone out. And you're doing really well. You're tapping out higher belts with like uh, these techniques that they don't even know. But then they start to defend them, and then you start to realize like, man, there's so much more to jujitsu than just what I'm doing right now. And uh, like, I don't know. The more you do a technique on someone, they learn how to defend it. Mm-hmm. So like, just because you have a lot of success uh, doing one, like doing a technique or or a series of techniques over and over for a period of time, your training partners are going to get better and they're going to figure out how to defend those things. And eventually your techniques aren't going to work as well. So if you just get so stuck on one thing or one aspect of jujitsu, you're going to get stale and your other training partners are going to get better. The people you compete with are going to get better. So you got to realize like, you got to realize to branch out and learn different things. Uh, My turning point off of leg locks was my instructor straight up told me like, all you're doing is leg locks all the time. You need you need to focus on other things, otherwise you're going to fall behind, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be good at triangles or arm bars or other things like that anymore, you know? Yeah. So it's it's a really, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to move away from, especially, like, when you're having all this success and then when you consciously stop doing those things and start working on other things and your success dwindles, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're taking a back step, but you're not. You're actually going yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah. You just don't realize it. Exactly, and, like, like everybody's half guard game half guard passes have gotten so much better now you know so now it's like it's so much harder for me to work that game because everybody knows how to base out of it which like you're welcome but like at the same time it's like fuck dude but then it makes it but it's like it's good at the same point it's like you just have to remember to be able to go back and to reuse that because like that's what happened is my half like the half guard game got so overdone that I had to go to open guard and now I can shoot for half guard but I have open guard as a bailout or vice versa but, like, yeah, so now I can go to that, but use it strategically and use it, like, in a quick transition rather than going there, holding it, and working that entire transition. I can just shoot for it quick, get that sweep, and if it misses, then I can go back out to it. Because, like, in the tournament, I was doing almost what's, what's called knee shield. So you have, uh, you have that half-guard position, but you have your knee across their chest or their belly, and your other leg is tucked in that kind of half-guard position, so it's behind their knee. It's, uh, so it's like so right there I have that open guard if I want to pull my bottom leg out and put it on their hip or I have that half guard if I just want to settle the rest of the way in you were doing a little bit of niche to me tonight and it makes your guard a lot harder to pass that was a phase of mine for probably two or three months was knee shield yeah, and that's Daniel dude yeah, yeah. he's the one who showed me like really long legs that. like that yeah. yeah that's something I like to utilize I'll actually I've got a pretty sweet leg lock Kimura and uh, back taking series from there that I'll show you right on it's pretty slick yeah that does sound yeah. <laughs> the one thing too I noticed is it's a lot harder to in a tournament for me at least it's a lot harder to joint lock people because those are literally like it's people can hold on and not tap 
they can like muscle it or whatever, just bite their bite their tongue and not tattoo it until it breaks. Mm-hmm. So like today I got um, Sean put me I think it was me. yeah Sean put me in a in an ankle lock and I just like it, he had it pretty solid but I just didn't tap to it because I was like I'm not gonna tap. <laughs> <laughs> he he just came back he's not gonna give me the tap so like you can just like muscle out of it but then but everybody if they can't if anybody can't breathe then they they can't like keep going. So that's a coming tournaments. I'll shoot more for chokes. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a couple great examples of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, yeah, Jack. What happened? Yeah, yeah, well, like okay. So one example of joint locks. So I a guy. Uh, I had a deep uh, knee bar on a guy at, at the tournament, and he kind of popped his knee to get out of it. You know, he fought through it, and it was really deep. I also had a deep ankle lock on a guy, and he fought through it because it was a joint lock. It was straight pain. They fought through it, and they ended up winning. But one guy got a nice deep choke on me, and you can't really fight through a choke if you can't breathe. You're going to go unconscious. I had like one second left on the clock. He jumped on a choke. Matt was saying, uh, you got four seconds. And uh, I was like, oh, I can fight out of this. And I guess I went unconscious with like one second left on the clock or something and woke up looking at the referee in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I, I, yeah, I thought I saw you still moving, and then the ref runs up and lifts up your legs, and I'm like, fuck, did he go out? <laughs> and it was like, or not everybody, but a couple people were like, oh, he went out, he went out. And then, yeah, there was a lot of injuries there too. Oh, wow. Yeah, a dude got like his, I think he got his arm broken because he left in a sling. Mm-hmm. I see people get their shoulders dislocated. They don't need slings usually, but yeah, and uh, I think one person in your division, in Will's division, got choked unconscious as well. I oh, think, wow. You know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it happens. And uh, I told myself, uh, you know, if that choke would have happened in the middle of the match, I, I would have tapped. It was, mm-hmm. it was deep. And uh, he, he caught me off guard. It was kind of like, I heard uh, I heard the uh, one of the coaches say 10 seconds, and so I was pretty tired at that point, so I kind of let off the gas, and that he just came at me like a bat out of hell at that mm-hmm. last 10 seconds, and then, uh, you know, yeah. it, you know, it happens. Exactly. I'll get plenty of chances to compete against him again, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm uh, more motivated than uh, upset about it, that's yeah. for sure. So I have a question for either one of you. Um, when you hear the opposite coach coaching your competitor – and you hear them telling them techniques or things to do, like not doesn't necessarily make you does it necessarily make you angry? But it, is it like yeah, do that? Like please do that? Because dude, when I'm competing and I hear someone say like go for the guillotine, get the guillotine, get the darts, I'm like motherfucker, get the darts, dude! Yeah. I fucking dare you to get that darts. Uh, I heard uh, uh, the guy that actually choked me unconscious. Uh, I heard his coach yell in the middle of a match, go for the legs! And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, go for the legs, buddy. Yeah. Let's see what happens. But nobody, nobody wanted to play with my leg game. And once I saw that yeah, nobody did. When I, once I got that Imanari roll in that first match, they were like, yeah, I don't know if I want to deal with those leg locks. So they all they all avoided them very well. Um, I could tell they were very versed on defending leg locks. <laughs> there was a good crowd, good guys. They were all really nice, too. Um, after I woke up and I went unconscious, I walked up to the stands and was hanging out with Trevor for a minute, and uh, then I realized I had no shoes on. <laughs> and I went back down looking for my shoes, and yeah. Matt actually moved my shoes, but oh, didn't oh, tell okay. me. Oh, and he wow. saw me looking for something, but didn't ask to help. <laughs> he was just like, what's he looking for? But uh, oh, the competitors that I had competed against, they actually helped me find my shoes. <laughs> and then Matt was like, oh, you were looking for those? I, I knew where they were the whole time. <laughs> it's like, oh, thanks, Matt. Of course. Well, though. <laughs> it was funny, though. Yeah, what about you, Will? When you hear other coaches 
coaching. You're you're such a nice guy. You probably don't even care. No, I get excited. Like, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be a good technique. You That's stop and ask him, hey, dude. So like, when you go in for that Darce, like, should I like give you the arm? <laughs> so what I'll do is I'm like, I'll start preparing and I'll start thinking about it. And I'm like, come on, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and I'm just starting to like prep for it. And yeah, usually I'll have a calendar with it by then. See, that's like sometimes like, like I, I like it when I like the way that Matt coaches sometimes because it's not as super technical because he knows that we know what to do mm-hmm. to a certain degree. That sometimes we just miss like little things. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jack is a technical coach where he can be like, make sure you're on your hip, like positional things because you don't want to yell out like, go for the ankle lock, no. or go yeah, for the exactly. mora. Yeah. I know exactly, but exactly, but little adjustments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. I don't know. I, that's like I kind of like that, and plus being at Livewire, since I mean Matt does like trains at Gracie Bar Ballard, but like he has his own ways that he words things, so mm-hmm. we kind of feel like like if he's yelling chicken wing. I like, I don't know if chicken wing is a real big thing. <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, oh yeah, I keep my elbow over the top of the back of your head. Yeah, <laughs> chicken. Yeah, it's got his jargon. Yes, Matt will Matt will be like demonstrating a technique or like talking about a technique sometimes, and I'll just be like. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then, then he'll show me. I'll be like, "Oh, I've learned that a million. I've done that a million times." <laughs> you're like, his, his wording is way different than like what I've heard before, which is completely fine. You know, he's a very technical grappler and he's a good teacher. It's just funny some of the things yeah, really. he's come up with for yeah. positioning. But I like it though because like it, it's cool because when you're yeah when you're grappling and you're in a tournament where that people where the person's literally trying to choke you out, like it's nice to hear like him tell you to defend things in a certain way that we're used to in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we're not part of some, like, crazy giant system. Because yeah. when I started jiu-jitsu, that was the one big thing I was worried about. I didn't just want to be, like, another dollar sign or another cog, mm-hmm. like, in the machine. Like, cranking them in money. Rocking the <laughs> yeah. I didn't just... Yeah. I didn't want to deal with that. So that's, like, I'm, I'm really happy that I found my wire. Yeah, you have that, that certain uh, style, and then also when his personality comes into it too so it's entertaining half the time so yeah, yeah, yeah. like and the I, I do have to admit in Proving Grounds I had I think it was in my last one I ended up talking to him and I couldn't help myself because he's like I'm tired man is this like there's no more matches after this and I'm like what you're tired <laughs> it was fucking weird and then I tickled some guy Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he tickled me back. So he tickled me, and I'm like, this motherfucker, he stole my game plan. I wanted to tickle someone just to mess with him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, are you tickling me? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I like to tickle too. And I just start tickling him. Uh, yeah, I know. I can tell Matt was getting a little frustrated because you were talking to one of the guys, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, you can be friends after the match. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was the yeah. last guy. He was telling me because he's like, I'm tired, man. Like two more matches or something like that? Yeah. It was a Kelly guy, Kelly Crabtree. And yeah, he's just like, I'm really tired. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't want to. I don't want to do two more matches. Just, Neither do I. He's yeah. laughing. Like, ah, yeah. he's laughing. His, next, his chin's probably up. Choke him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was your second tournament, Will? That was my third tournament. Oh, nice. Yeah. So nice. I did I did Naga, and then the other one was just a smoker out of uh, AKA. Nice, and, nice. Yeah. I did better in Naga, but then that was points. AKA, it was... Uh, uh, just like grappling in the gym. Yeah, I know what it. Uh, yeah, they, some of the one of the guys, he's uh, what is he? He's like six foot, but he was lanky as hell. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Was though. he a blue belt? 
Yeah, he was a blue belt. Yeah, I know who you're, I don't know his name, but I've seen him around. And uh, he used to train at this place, uh, Electric North, down in uh, Lake Stevens. Oh, really? Every once in a while, yeah. Oh, shit. But I think he's he trains at AKA as well, or cross-trains or something. I, I liked it because I went with all different belt varieties, mm-hmm. and um, and I didn't know what they were because we were doing the, uh, no gi. Mm-hmm. And having all the different weight classes and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun to, like, I don't know, try to figure it out because they're going literally 100%. Yeah, (laughs) so it was like, okay, Um, that was my first tournament, Mm -hmm. so it was, yeah, a little interesting. What? Oh, sorry. No, you're fine, go ahead. I was just going to say, one thing I like about uh, competing at the purple belt level is, uh, man, back in the old days, like, a blue belt and white, it was like, you go so hard and so fast, but like, man, the pace that we were putting on at purple belt was a lot more chill, it was Mm -hmm. a lot more technical, it seemed like, I really liked liked that. It was I, I was worried about getting way too tired, and I definitely got tired, but it was like, the pace was definitely way smoother, way better. I don't know. It was different, different dynamic. Yeah, and that's what I always, I would always say, I like grappling about, like, grap- what I always liked about grappling with you is, like, we had a really good match for our last match, but it mm-hmm. wasn't, like, exhausting, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it was super, super technical mm-hmm. with some aspects of exhausting, but, like, the, my very first match uh, against Lucas, like he just ran out there, grabbed me, pulled like pulled guard, and I'm, like I just try, I just chilled, like just oh, yeah. held him, held yeah. him as much as I could, and then he put himself in the like all those crappy positions where I swept him over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like we ended up stalemating, but like not once did I ever feel nervous that I was going to get tapped out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like is when it will when it becomes more technical. Mm-hmm. Which being a blue belt, like I still feel like watching the blue belts mm-hmm. compete, it was very. Fast paced still. And yeah. Everything. It's yeah. gonna take some time before it all slows down, but if it's I can still slow it down technical. myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you'll do well though if you give yourself some time. Didn't you uh wasn't Matt saying something about you getting your blue belt soon? Yeah, he said that um throughout like the month I get random testing or something like that for the blue belt and sweet. Alfred brought up maybe trying to put it for the tournament. We do have one for Naga, but Yeah, at least one of the tournaments. What is Naga? I don't. I have no idea when Naga is, but I know the next proving grounds is June second. I'm making it up. Just like three months or so. But April maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Trevor, are you gonna be doing the uh, uh, what is it? Livewire Invitational or what's yeah, it? yeah? What's he calling it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's Nogi. It is. A, it is gonna be Nogi. Oh, like, him oh and sure. I, I don't train Nogi at all. Oh, yeah. okay. But my thing is, if I do proving grounds, I mm-hmm. can probably go down to, to the 181 weight, mm-hmm. and that gives me time to lose that weight. So mm-hmm. I'm almost thinking if I did do this Nogi tournament, I could essentially go in, I'm trying to like not rely on strength, Yeah. so I'm trying to learn that defensive game as if I do mm-hmm. get that aggressor, mm-hmm. and it's like, if I did the Nogi and went in with that mindset, I think, of like, I'm going to let this guy push me around, yeah. I might lose. Yeah. I don't really care though because I just want to learn what they're going to do yeah. to kind of like understand how they're going to be thinking and like mm-hmm. how they operate throughout that whatever basically um, go from then start like losing weight and cutting down and being yeah. more um, like really training the actual intensity mm-hmm. at that point afterwards so almost work on technique for a while like you were saying like yeah. you were mentioning kind of work on technique for a while do that no gi that open minded perspective and then mm-hmm. then start to just like work go back to lifting a little bit and just yeah. get back some of that explosive strength and figure out how to use it when I need it. Mm-hmm. So if Plus you're going you can with the tournament nerves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and uh, bring back that intensity in the last month of training, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, get, just get like that kill switch. Have that mind for the for the technique when mm-hmm. I need it and mm-hmm. then use that strength to really solidify it. 
Um, that's kind of what I'm thinking anyway. But I haven't been doing this nearly as long as any of you, so this is just kind of how I view it. I that's why I'm curious with you. Actually, I want to pick your brain because you just said this last time you had, there was almost like a different tactic to it mm-hmm. for you, right? You approached it in a different way. A way different way. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I remember when we were driving down um, initially, mm-hmm. Alf, he was, despite saying he was super confident, he was focused on like the, the placement I mm-hmm. noticed. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh man, I gotta do good. I wanna do good, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Uh, there's a lot riding on this. Like, I, I have a feeling I got a bluebell on the way, blah, blah, you know, mm-hmm. he, was thought, he was thinking about this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, for you, you're, you even told him, you're like, yeah, Alf, dude, you're gonna do great. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not even gonna win anything. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, like that caught me off guard. But then just now you said there's a different tactic to it. And then you mentioned that this was the most fun you've had. Mm-hmm. And Ever, in ever, ever had a, ever competing. Yeah, so yeah. I guess, <laughs> and I did the worst. I placed in every tournament I've done, but that was just like that's kind of why I'm curious because <laughs> you know you, yeah. Um, I just uh, so every tournament like Alf has gone into expectations. I expected to do well or win or kill it. You know what I mean? And uh, I just had a feeling like you know going in purple belt, not a lot of training. Um, like I had the injury. Uh, or I've had several injuries over the last few months. Um, I kind of signed up last minute. Um, I don't know. There was just a lot of things that were going through my mind. Um, I definitely had some doubt in myself, but I knew I, I had a chance to win, but I just didn't feel like it was going to be my day, you know? He's <laughs> <laughs> farting. But, uh, yeah, I know, right? It sounds like it. But uh, uh, I don't know. It was just a different mindset. I kind of went in just not taking it serious. I always took it super, super serious, and uh, I think that could be one of the reasons why Alf had success that day, and I didn't. I had maybe some self-doubt, maybe some uh, low expectations of myself coming into a new belt class, I suppose. So what makes you automatically think it could have been something that was holding you back, rather than your open mind to have more fun with this one? Because some might say it was actually more successful because you finally had the most enjoyment you've ever had. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is very true. And to um, some, that might even be a more important. And I learned a lot more from this one than I have from others. Um, man, it's tough to say. Um, <clears throat> it's really tough to say. I think that if I would have believed in myself maybe a little bit more, I would have had some more success as far as maybe winning matches. But uh, I think a lot of my, like, uh, I don't know, my emotional success, I guess, or like, mental success as far as like learning and uh, having fun at this tournament as opposed to others I don't know I think I gotta have a good combination of both for the next one I don't think I can go in being like well I don't think I'm gonna place but I also need to go in with this with the mindset that I'm like all right I'm gonna have fun at this one doesn't really matter what happens but I need to choke these fools out you know yeah. you know what I mean you want to yeah. go away knowing you actually put out your all at yeah the same time. yeah exactly like, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough mental dynamic going in and competing like that. Especially when you're coming in kind of like, I don't know, I felt like I was under-trained for it, and I'm coming into a new belt class, and it's, purple belt's a tough belt. I mean, that's a, my instructor says that that's the belt where you know, you know the game. You know what you, you're going to learn techniques here and there as you go on, but you know what you're going to pretty much do. For the most part. That's what they say is like a purple belt and a black belt. Like you know everything, you pretty much know everything as a purple belt Mm -hmm. that a black belt knows. The black belt just knows how to uh, implement it so much better. It has the timing so much more down. Yep, timing, you know, sensitivity to pressure, uh, 
just they've been there longer, they've done it longer, and they do know more techniques most of the time, you know. So it's just a uh, purple belt's a tough division to uh, to come into, and I think there was some mental aspects that kind of blocked me as far as being successful. But I I plan to uh, overcome those. I've got I've got a pretty strong mindset, so I feel like uh, I'm gonna be ready for this next one. That's why I like the intensity that everybody showed at the end of the tournament when Trevor was like, I yeah, I'm gonna compete in the next one, and will. I'm sure the same thing too. And you're like, yeah, we want to train hard for this. And there's four months or three to four months until that next one. Mm-hmm. And I already know that I'm not going to compete. So it's cool that I get to just throw like myself into helping you guys as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Whether it's just like positionally starting you on your back so you can sweep me and get on top or making Will work the things that he needs to work. Or mm-hmm. with Trevor, it's like if he gets that really good guard player, like I can mm-hmm. be there for that. Or he could get and, that and really good guard player. food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, it's funny because Trevor's food thing, like, I'm trying to eat like him and like you, where it's not so much about the quantity, it's just like, as long as it's good food, like a big old quinoa stir fry, you know, it's just, yeah, you can shovel the entire thing down, but I'm going to have to be like, Trevor, but at the same time, dude, I saw, I saw a guy that was like, maybe your height, because you're just like Will's height, because you're just a little bit taller than I am, and I was like, I was like, hey, man, if you don't mind me asking, how much are you, what are you competing at? He's like, oh, my bracket's one. 81 to 198. Like, Jesus Christ, Woo. dude. Like, I was like, Trevor is like bigger than that guy and could tear him apart. <laughs> like, and what Ben was saying too, because I was talking to Ben today, I told him that you were probably going to do the next one. He like chuckled. He's like, really? Like, that's cool. He's like, at the very least, man, if he, he can muscle his way out of any bad situation, which is cool because you like, because you have that. It's not cool. Oh, he was saying like he could he could if he needed to. Oh, like, it's like, it's oh like, yeah, yeah, okay. So he's, it'd be like him saying, I could half guard my way out of any bad situation. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's like, you always have that in your back pocket. Like, everybody has those advantages. Because yeah. uh, even Chewie says about the whole rolling with the big guy. It's like, well, you only did that because you're heavy. Because you have so much weight on me. It's like, well, it's your advantage. You don't talk, talk shit about the small guy for being fast. Or for being the flexible guy for being flexible. So mm-hmm. you don't talk shit about the strong guy for being strong. But it is an advantage if he wants to use it that way, and if he needs to use it that way. Well, it can mm-hmm. very much be a disadvantage as well, too. You, know? you having the strength? Yeah. Or having the size? Like somebody relying on that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Like, that somebody could like pinpoint, be like, okay, well, obviously this guy is just trying Rigid. to use forces, so yeah. I'm gonna make him waste energy. That's mm-hmm. how they get that smart. Game. There's a lot of big guys I've rolled with that just for year, for a year or two, for their first year or two of jujitsu, they'll just utilize strength and they'll just utilize strength. But Trevor is it. One of the few big strong guys I've rolled with that is like he's pretty technical. You know, yeah. Albert, you know he's. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. His pace is nice and slow. He's got the strength naturally, but he doesn't overuse it. And you know, you're you learn really well. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I was watching you roll a week or two ago. Uh, I can't remember with who. I think it was Jordan or something like that. And uh, the way you were moving, man, I was I was pretty impressed for someone that's only been training for for a month or two, and uh, especially for your size, because generally guys that are big and strong, they just want to smash people, and that's not your mentality at all. Yeah, even before, yeah, I kind of came out of that strength mentality though, because I was mm-hmm. doing like powerlifting and mm-hmm. stuff. Basically, I used mm-hmm. to do that with Alf when he was doing that a lot too, but I uh, kept doing it, and then eventually he just like dragged me in there, kind of. He's like, dude, just come try it. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, there right, was that I positive guess. mindset, though, you had to to even be open to it. Yeah, I've been talking man. to you about it for, like, <laughs> since I started, but it took that it took that long as, like, that positive mindset. And then even after that, it took another couple months. Where I was just trying new things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was like, I just need to get in there and try it, yeah. And then, but I was going in with that mindset that, okay, I know this is something that I'm trying to learn. Yeah. So regardless of, too, like, 
how strong I am or whatever. I want to actually go in and learn the techniques. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's the cool thing is you can see the the difference of how people or why people are training. Because like you have some people like Jack and I, which are like, okay, this is definitely our interest. This is definitely something we want to do forever, and we want to compete, mm-hmm. and we want to be like the best that we yeah. can be at least yeah. around. So like, and then there's people like Will who's doing this as like a more of a learning from the learning aspect. Like competing for him is more of learn more about learning than it is about winning a medal, mm-hmm. and then Trevor, who's literally it's just oh yeah, it's another hobby. Maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. But at the very least, like cool. At least I, for at least you have it for self defense if mm-hmm. it's ever needed. It's yeah. useful outside of it just yeah. as a practice. Yeah, well, exactly. and it's just a great way to stay fit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Honestly, mentally yeah. and physically functional, and you meet good people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's another form of community, <laughs> yeah. and I'd say that like the flexibility and the strength. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> utilized within jiu-jitsu it, it almost sounds exactly like what you guys were saying when you like would hyper focus on something mm-hmm. and when you got comfortable and then you wouldn't it then would be just as you said would like um, if you were to overuse it people would have counters to it just like a move within mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu like my flexibility is something that could be an issue too because I could roll out of like what like key locks and stuff like yeah, that really easily yeah. and I don't have to learn the defenses of them Mm-hmm. But eventually, people are going to trap me completely that I roll with, and then I'm going to have to find the defenses of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so it's an interesting thing about maintaining well-rounded and being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you got to put yourself in that uncomfortable position. Mm-hmm. There, that's why sometimes I'll just let people take my back, or I'll like mm-hmm. kind of let them like I'll let them put me in a bad position or set up a triangle or something, and then try to work out of it. Otherwise, sometimes you don't end up in those positions, and then you're like. Well, then I'm never gonna get good at escaping them. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> well, tell me if this is a bad, a bad habit to be getting into. So, like today, Trevor and I were grappling, and I forget what he did, but he countered something that he countered something really well. I ended up turtling, and he took my back, or what was it? I was in some weird position. Trevor got in a position where he could take my back. Oh, it was the THD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he had his arm was under my head. Total hold down. It was okay. It's like so, your arms around your head, and you're reaching around and grabbing his wrist. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So like so you know, basically walk me through that. He's like, hey, hey grab my wrist. Mm-hmm. Like his He's hook like, was already in. Control, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like his hook was already in. Because he had half guard. Yeah. Yeah. THD yeah. total hold down. Yeah. I always called that gift wrap. Oh, gift wrap. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Same. Day. Matt yeah. calls it wraps around. Another exactly. another Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Matt name. <laughs> exactly. So like you know he was talking about possibly doing that that nogi smoker. So it was like it's what I was talking him last night. It's like there's so many things that he already knows that are easily translated. He mm-hmm. just needs to learn that. So now that we have the mats at the house, we're gonna do that. But yeah, I was I went to half guard or something, and I turned over the wrong way. Or he rolled me, and my arm was all the way around here, and I had it there, too, like, waiting for him to kind of grab it. Mm-hmm. But he, he didn't, and he was just working more technique. And I was just like, hey, tr- like, grab that and pull mm-hmm. my ear to the ceiling. Your hook's already in there. Take my back. And he did it, and it basically, and he took my back, and I was like, cool. But the, here's the whole point of it. You know, I got my leg out, and I turned over and got top position on top of him. But, like, I, it, I, it's almost... I don't want to say impossible, but it's really, really hard for me to sweep him, and it's really, really hard for me to put him on his back to get that top position. Mm-hmm. So how you said, I basically gave up my back just so I could work out of my back, knowing that I would end up in top position. Yeah. It's like, is that a like, is that a bad habit? Because I shouldn't be in a tournament giving up my back, mm-hmm. but at least in the gym, like it's a surefire way to get me top position because I know I can, I know how to escape someone having my back so well. Um, it's not a bad thing to do. Just don't get like a. If you consciously know that it's like a bad idea to give up your back, yeah. then uh, then ah, man, 
that's a that's a tough one right there. Um, so giving up your back, um, man. So it's not a bad habit because you want to get used to escaping the back mount. So it's not a bad habit, especially if you have the tactic of okay, tactic of okay, if I give up my back and I can get on top that way, that's a you know that's a good tactic to work on and it also helps the skills of escaping the back, but. It's not something you want to ever do in a tournament, okay. you know, because someone's going to be going 100%, and they it's might have like a really bailout. Good... Yeah, it's more of a bailout, or it's a good way for you to practice escaping the back or getting top position when someone has your back. Yeah. So you got to look at it as like a practicing aspect. Yeah, so. a strategy to yeah. get better at escapes rather than a technique. To yeah, to get somebody. top position. Mm-hmm. Exactly. you got to mm-hmm. use it more as a strategy to get better at escaping the back mm-hmm. as opposed to a strategy to getting on top. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a strat. It's more of a tool to learn than a tool to actually like a technique to utilize in live grappling. And from most of the time. my perspective, for in your case, I'm at like a really low rank, and mm-hmm. I don't really know what to be doing when I get your well, back. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you're trying to they give me your back to try to get on top of me, like well, if I knew what I was doing, you would have been. Yeah, it was yeah, a thought that crossed my mind too, because I was like, whoa, I ended up in top position off of this that's like, a tough should that I consider tough that <laughs> yeah like, should I consider <laughs> that as a, as a useful thing if I'm having a really hard time getting somebody like should I because I don't know like, like you said you were never you were never RNC'd by like when as a white belt no that's a blue belt <laughs> <laughs> that's a chip on there I mean that's like a badge of honor in my opinion <laughs> right so he was never he was never choked out from his back as a as a as a white belt, uh, I got collar choked. I never got rear naked choked. Okay, <laughs> so I was like, I like the only people who've ever like rear naked choked me were like Jack Maton and like Matt. Mm-hmm. So it's like people in my same rank. I don't like it doesn't it doesn't really happen. I'm good enough at defending that. So it's like, is that strategy? So in my mind, I'm like cocky to the point where I'm like, ah, well, you know, I know I can fight out of this usually. Like, no. Times, like, literally nine times out of ten, maybe I'll just use this as a strategy to have in my back pocket. But then it's like, ah, oh, that's not a good strategy, maybe. Mm-hmm. The thing about that, too, is your training partners are going to get better. Yeah. And they're going to get better at holding the back and better at choking. So, <laughs> you know, it's going to backfire eventually. But yeah. it's... But it is a good learning tool. Like I said earlier, like uh, I'll give up position sometimes or let someone pass my guard or take my back. Or, because if, if you're always fighting to keep them from doing those things, like lower belts and things like that, mm-hmm. then you know, you'll have success from keeping people t- from doing that. But what happens if someone, someone does pass your guard and gets your back? Yeah. Oh, I haven't been in this position in a year. Uh-oh. What do yeah. I do from here? So you got to put yourself in that position fairly regularly. So when that happens with someone that's really good or in competition or in a fight or whatever the situation is where it's actually a serious grappling situation or a fight, you're ready. You know, you know, yeah. you've had someone take your back a million times. Like I rarely legitimately get my back taken, but I let people take my back a lot of the times. And uh, if I wasn't good at back escapes at the tournament, I had a guy get my back. And I could tell he was very good at choking people. Yeah, and I saw I saw you fighting those guys. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. I wasn't good at grip fighting and I wasn't good at if I hadn't let people take my back for the last couple of years and fighting it or like, you know, I would have yeah, it would have been bad. It's funny too, because <laughs> we went over that that collar grip, mm-hmm. like and how to defend that. So today when we were grappling and he took my back, like I had like I had that specific thing in mind because I felt your hand like creeping up the the lapel. So like I oh, gripped, yeah. I gripped right above it to keep you from choking. I think eventually you you transition to like an arm bar or something, but like I mm-hmm. use that same grip that we just worked on. Yeah. Too. 
Yeah. It's just like, oh, wait, if I get my hand above his and turn it out or something, like, it, he can't sneak it the rest of the way up. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. Turn it out. And if you can get the other one, you can do cross, too, but if you can get that one turned out and then grab a little of the fist yeah. and push it out, it's really hard for them to creep their hand up farther the, uh, up farther in the lapel. Plus, you know, you're pulling it away from your neck. I think that's what gave up that armbar transition, too, because I, ha- I went cross. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, there's my elbow. Yep. Oh, I think that's when, when I ended up fighting that armbar when Matan was watching. Yeah, like that, you got out, didn't you? Yeah, for like that full minute. Yeah. I was just muscling. You almost had like a bicep slice, so you were pulling so hard on the arm. I was going was, belly down, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like you were pulling so hard on that, and your belly was right there, so mm-hmm. it was just like so much pressure on that arm. I eventually was like, okay, I either have to like try to fireman, not fireman, uh, hitchhiker out of this, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to muscle it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Sucks. I was trying to flip you too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you did. You got my pants and you flipped me. Yeah. I had you up on your head for a second, and you were like in like a forty-five degree angle. And like I was trying. We were at that tipping point. Like if I could have got you an inch farther, I would have got you. But like you just held, and I was like, I can't flip him. And then we went back down, and then you like circled around and escaped. And then I was like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I gave like everything tech technical that I had. To, like during that last match, dude, I can tell you, you were coming at me hard, and uh, you made me work for. And it was, I got. yeah, and it's funny too because that's like the most aggressive I felt comfortable because I noticed like if I I went just like straight physical aggressive mm-hmm. rolling with you, mm-hmm. and you know like as my four strike whatever, like I, I went physically aggressive and it's never done me any good. So it's like you have to learn that like okay. You can't go 100% aggressive. You can go, like, 75% aggressive. Mm-hmm. I almost said 79, but that's such an arbitrary, like... <laughs> so you can go 75% aggressive, but you have to go 110% technical. Yeah. With, like, certain people, like Sean. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, today, because I know he just came back from wrestling, it was like, okay, I'm just going to be 100% aggressive, but, like, 50% technical, because mm-hmm. he doesn't know all these openings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the hardest part about watching the kids grapple. Or even, like, Trevor, for example, because he's fresh in this, too, or, or Will... No matter what, because I dove so deep into the, dove so deep into all these techniques and all the names and everything that sometimes it like breaks my heart seeing people grapple when I want to be like this, but like the you know nobody knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Like you and I, you and I do, and actually Trevor and I were talking about this last night too about the techniques and the technique names and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And plus, from one gym to another, it's There's all so, so different. Many names, it's insane. Yeah, so THD versus. So if I was like, Trevor, get the THD, and he's like, well, I I don't know what that is. I know what a gift wrap is, but Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. It's like the Kimura or the double wrist lock, you know, or Americana. Is that what it's called? In catch wrestling, they call it a double wrist lock. In uh, catch wrestling, they'll call it uh, an Americana, a key lock, instead of an Americana. Um, It's just different names for a lot of different things. A straight ankle lock or a Keeley's lock, you know. Yeah. But see, I... I I still don't know half the stuff either because yeah. I've heard people. I've heard you and Matt yell things out to me while I'm grappling. Where I'm like, "Why would I possibly ever want to do that? That makes no sense." <laughs> and then, like after the round's over, you're like, "Oh, by the way, this is what I meant." And I'm like, "That makes so much sense." <laughs> like you feel so naive because there's so much out there to learn, and you get taught it for one day. Maybe you go over it two days over the course of a year, and then mm-hmm. you're you're done with it, and then you're like oh, wait, that one thing I learned, like, eight months ago that I, I haven't worked on since, like, that's so crucial. Or that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like, knee bars. Now that knee bars are a thing for me, like, being a blue belt, it's like, I forget where how they're everywhere. And people don't use them that much because it's a leg lock, so people don't end up using them that much. But like, wait, they're literally everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, you can't pass somebody's guard? There's a knee bar. It's like, oh, you're someone's standing up when you're there in your guard? Oh, look, there's a knee bar. Like... 
I've got an arm bar and they're rolling a little too far. Oh, knee bars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll set up knee bars everywhere. And wrist locks, too. A lot of guys don't think about wrist locks. I had one guy at the tournament that kept trying to wrist lock me on my bad wrist, too. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm used to... Uh, yeah, it was rough. I'm glad that I'm used to wrist locks. Otherwise, you probably would have got me. But I'm very well versed in wrist locks, so good luck with that. <laughs> you probably have to snap it before I tap to one of those, too. That would suck. Yeah, that's, man. I'm not tapping to a wrist lock. But see, that's, that's where I'm so excited for, like, Trevor as a grappler to develop because I, like, I've worked with him as a, like, as a musician and, um, with lifting and with so many other things with football, like, just, mm-hmm. like, football, you know, and everything. So, like, I know how technical he is and I know how much he retains. Or working with him in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, at the country club, like, being able, like, I remember him specifically saying this on his first day, too, where he just, com- he was just coming in to help. He was just like, hey, where does this go? And I was like, oh, over here. Where does this go? Oh, over there. He's like, well, sorry I'm asking so much, but you know, at least I'll never ask you again. And it's like, gosh, you know, that, make, that makes me realize, like, that's so true. So, so it's like, I'm, I can show him a transition or something. It's like, he'll retain that 100%. You can ask him a year, like, later. It's like, hey, what's that transition again? It's like, oh, it's this. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, I'm, I'm just very intuitive if I don't use it on a daily basis or like on a, like to develop that muscle memory, like I'll forget it, mm-hmm. which sucks. That's where I'm realizing with myself is if I'm, I'm very intuitive and if I don't use it like constantly, yeah, on a daily basis or if I don't think about it, like work it in my mind and even that, it's not the best compared to actually working it. Mm-hmm. I, it's so hard to retain it. And like, except I'll have a weird like moment of insight where something random clicks. Like when you showed me uh, how to break the triangle by posturing up and creating the bar with the gable grip yeah, on yeah. their hips. And for some reason it was like, that would just enter my mind randomly every day for mm-hmm. like a week. Huh. And yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> and then I was using it and I saw it. And every time I didn't have to think about it or anything. It was just mm-hmm. right there. Whereas, and like there's another one where, uh, I don't know if you know this one, Alfie, it's where you... Uh, Go to their, you go from butterfly to knee bar. Like you elevate, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, you elevate. Yeah, you it? elevate and then you rotate completely around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that, that's one that just, it's, it clicked with me mm-hmm. from there on out. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I have to do, like, I, I noticed teaching with you has been really helpful because I imagine, like, you know, talking to kids about it and stuff yeah. like that. You think about it more often. Well, when one teaches, two learn. So yeah. That's important. <laughs> But Sorry, guys. Important. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> and is the, have you ever have you found anything that was effective for learning things quickly, or is that just something you've always been good at? Uh, <coughs> you know, like old lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess yeah, when I think about it, I've been pretty good at just learning things quickly, grasping the concept initially, and mm-hmm. locking it in. Um, one thing that really helped me was when I started writing this stuff down, kind of. Because then, like, if you go and read it again later, you can literally, like, put your... Well, not literally, but you can almost put yourself back in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And you can recall that feeling. And just, like, just keep it fresh. Yeah. yeah. And then next thing next thing you know, you're utilizing it in the gym or something. You know what? And that's why I'm happy that I'm not in his division. <laughs> <laughs> I think that... Uh, but you still have to drill, obviously. I think the way that you've learned and the way you retain information is highly important for jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So, like... <clears throat> I've actually, like, developed a, a way of learning for jiu-jitsu that I think is pretty effective. So, like, essentially, like, I, I explained this to... Uh, yeah, we're all, like, excited yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I explained this I was to, all picking his brain about it on the drive. I explained yeah. this to Trevor and Alfie on the way down to the competition. But so, like, 
let's uh, let's say triangle. Triangles. Uh, the triangle choke is a great example. So, say you weren't learned one way to do a triangle choke. You mm-hmm. learn, you know, you push the hand into the chest, you throw your legs up, grab your shin, you rotate, and you lock it in, and you finish it. So, you learn that. You've drilled it a thousand times. You've got, or maybe not even a thousand. You drill it like twenty times, and you've got it pretty down, pretty good. So now you know how to finish the triangle. You learned how to finish the triangle. So when you go to learn another triangle choke setup. You already know a lot of the details. You know the finishing details of grabbing, you know, locking your feet, grabbing your shin, rotating, and locking it down and finishing the triangle. So you don't need to pay attention really to those details as far as, uh, as far as the next, uh, when you're learning a new setup, you don't have to fin- pay attention to the finishing details. You only need to pay attention to the setup. So you learn the setup. You hyper-focus on how the guy is setting up that triangle. You learn how that setup goes, and then the finishing details you already know, they're in your muscle memory. So now you know a tri- or uh, two triangle setups and how to finish the triangle. Okay, now you go to learn another triangle setup. Okay, um, this, is, this setup has a couple similarities to the other setup. So you pick out, okay, this is similar to the last setup and this is similar to the last setup. I already know how to do that, so I don't have to fight or hyper-focus on those. And I also know how to finish the triangle. I don't need to hyper-focus on that. I need to hyper-focus on the details in between and meld them together. So now I hyper-focus on the, the, those details. So now I have three setups and one triangle, and I've cut my learning down in basically a third because, or in, yeah, basically a third because I've been able to eliminate all this extra stuff that I thought I had to pay attention to when I was learning this new setup, and I was just able to pay attention on the minute details that you know are gonna make this new setup work with the old things I already know. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's that's so cool. <sighs> you cut your learning time down significantly. It's kind of an interesting way to think about it, but I figured that out when I was a blue belt. Dude, this, <laughs> this is really cool. Yeah. Because yeah. I just had like this visual <laughs> in my head. Yeah, yeah that's like, why we're spacing out. Really. <laughs> no, I kind of envisioned like this chart almost because that's the opposite approach of what I take. Oh, yeah. And I just kind of imagined it as like, a chart of energy stores, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have this big picture out here, mm-hmm. it's like you've put all this energy into this big picture. That, that's yeah. Essentially, you learn that uh-huh. end product, like the just sealing, sealing it in, and just like now when you go and work on all these other little steps, these tiny ones, you yeah. can save yourself a lot of time mm-hmm. because you don't have to relearn a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like my approach has always been focus on the small details. Yeah. Always, but really lock in those small details. At first, that's what you need to do. The first year or so, year or two. Oh, then, yeah, I've always have done that. And then yeah. like once I finally got to the big picture, it's like, okay, now how can I apply all mm-hmm. of these things that I've sealed in? Mm-hmm. That's like, it's just interesting seeing that kind of two different approaches to it. Yeah, and uh, my approach was very similar to yours at first. I tried to pay attention to every detail and everything. But eventually I started realizing like, okay, I, I need to learn faster. How can I learn faster? I can learn faster by not paying attention to smaller details that I already know that I, like, and I don't skip details until I already, like, I've got them down, you know what I mean? Like, if they're, I don't even have to think about them. Then, then it's, those details become minute, and I don't have to really think about them anymore. That's when I move on to, like, a new, te- or a similar technique, but with subtle differences, and those subtle differences are what I start to hyper-focus on. And then it's really weird, because then you start to, like, a kind of combine everything as one and then it just everything just strings together it's a really man it's a rabbit hole and it gets it gets deep <laughs> especially if you start using your mind and really thinking about what you're doing and how you're learning and yeah that's that's why i was curious how you actually like 
operated with your thought processes yeah. and all of this because I noticed that with that approach that you took with the mm-hmm. last one, like you mm-hmm. said, you know, you didn't place well or whatever, yeah. but, but it was the most fun you ever had. It's just yeah. like, it's clear how knowledgeable you are with mm-hmm. it and how mm-hmm. you just love to learn and learn and learn. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. you already mentioned, nobody really takes your back, mm-hmm. but it you, you let them know so you can learn those skills yeah. and all that. And it's and, oh, sorry. I didn't no, it's, it's fine. And when I say nobody takes my back, I mean, it happens, it happened at the tournament. Mm-hmm. But it's good that, like, with, you know, uh, people that don't generally, aren't, aren't either able to get my back most of the time or, like, uh, or I don't know. It's good to give up your back and practice those skills. You yeah. need to have them in that heat of the moment, even if it doesn't happen to you naturally because you're, I don't know, I guess skilled enough or you're just naturally good at avoiding someone from taking your back. You still need to let people take your back and learn how to escape from those positions and if you get tapped out whatever you know then you got to learn something from there you know yeah it's hard to let go of that too you know especially when you're when you're white and even early blue belt man it's hard to let go of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. it's hard yeah. to let go of that especially when you're white yeah i was like wait well, I, mean, no, I, mean, like, I mean like a white belt you know? um, i mean if you're brown too you know yeah. or, or especially or black. black yeah, yeah. <laughs> You guys know what I'm <laughs> Anyway, when you're a white belt and you're blue belt, it's kind of hard to, or like an early blue belt, it's hard to let that go, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to just be like, well, I'll let someone take my back, and if I get choked out, whatever, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard, like, because you're still kind of getting, you're still kind of new to it, and you're still trying to get better yourself, and you want to be the guy choking people. Still, well, see, what's, right? what's so tough, too, is, like, I know one thing we share is that, like, aspect of, if someone's, at least to some degree, if someone's lower rank, like, don't want to get tapped by them even more than uh-huh. anything else. And, like, I've always felt kind of silly about that, because everybody's going to learn, everybody's going to get better, we all know this. But, you know, when Paige got me with the guillotine, I still, I still remember exactly, like, how all these things went. When Paige got me with the guillotine, and when Hector caught me with the triangle, like, Paige got me with the guillotine first, and it messed me up, mm-hmm. like, in my own head for a while. And then, like, when Hector triangled me a while later, like... I, w- I knew already what to do and how not to let it get to me, but it still got to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, it makes it even harder to get let yourself get put in those situations because, like, one thing I need to work mm-hmm. on is triangle defenses over and over and over again. But it's going to be so tough letting somebody put me in a triangle knowing that I, I'm not very good at getting out of them because, like, Will's caught me in triangles where I where I didn't get tapped by it, but that's because, like, literally I couldn't, I could barely breathe and I wasn't escaping. I, didn't, I never escaped it. Like, mm-hmm. I should have... I just, like, was lucky enough to wait until he tired himself out or got unsure of, that it was locked in and moved on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's something I should have tapped to, and I would have eventually had to tap to or go out, but it was like I just got lucky and I was able to hold on longer than, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's so hard to let somebody take your back because it's like, oh. Dude, trust me, I'm not, I know. But once yeah. you let go of that, your game will jump, dude. I'm telling you, it's like, that's why I'm really hard to, like, hold on to or, like, you know. Yeah. really established I don't know dude it, when you really let go and you start letting people like you give a little bit and let people you know either like it's not necessarily letting them either you know you're you're still giving resistance obviously but mm-hmm. it's not like you're giving 100% resistance you know mm-hmm. you'll give about like anywhere from 20 to 60 depending on who you're rolling with you know what I mean yeah I do that a lot with the kids or like I'll put the kids in kids class in uncomfortable positions to make them work out of them mm-hmm you know, so, like, I don't, I don't, like, grapple 100% with the kids, obviously, but, like, mm-hmm. like I'll take their back, put them in a rear naked choke, not apply the pressure, and be like, all right, get yourself out. 
So, like, it's it's hard to let myself do that. And, like, Matt will do the same kind of thing. He'll put me in, like, a, a crappy position. And then, like, he won't say, like, all right, get out. But it's, like, you, I can tell he's not trying to finish because if he was trying to finish, it would have been finished. Yeah. But he's yeah. putting you there and, and just, like, holding on so he can see if you, like, get out or mm-hmm. not. <sighs> so it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's, like, I really admire Matt being able to do that and being able to put himself in those positions. Like, especially with a group of white belts because, you know, for him it's really hard. I, uh, I'm sure it's really hard for him to get tapped by you know, a white belt or one of his students, which for him is a good thing, but like, it's also not like he, it's not like you bested him. You just bested him in that last 5% where he thought that, where he underestimated or you just did the best thing you possibly could and actually like did perfect. 100% true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, it takes time to get that perspective too. Cause like when you first start, you think sometimes that your instructor is almost going hard on you or something but then you kind of realize like oh they're definitely stepping it back a bit you know yeah Um, yeah exactly like rolling with you for example like there was a time where i thought i thought i was like getting worse oh really i probably even came home because trevor would listen to me like before he even started training he would listen to me every time i would come home and Uh yeah this happened or yeah this happened or yeah this happened but yeah it's like yeah jack's been like I, I don't know I, I feel way worse than I ever have been and then I'll and then I'll go to class on Thursday and you'll be there and you'll be like yeah man I've been stepping it up against you I said like, oh wait you've been stepping it up like, oh yeah dude yeah I was like oh that's so cool I, I want you to get better man so like but then it's like crap know. now he's stepping it up that's, <laughs> it, that's a, it, it's a compliment though if like if you start doing a lot worse against me, it's probably a compliment because it's, it, means, <laughs> it means that you're frustrating me a little bit or so, in some area or whatever. And it means like, okay, I, I was getting pretty good. I got to step it up a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's more of a compliment than anything. Yeah. So, uh, but it takes a little while to figure that kind of stuff out. And then you start to figure out like, oh, okay, you know, this is, this is how, you know the levels of jiu-jitsu, you know, yeah. you start to figure it out. Unless you're like, you roll with my instructor and he just freaking goes at like a baby pace and just makes you look like a kid. Just, oh my God. He goes so slow. He's like, he'll just move his hands at like half speed and I still can't pass his guard or anything. It's crazy. Actually, I have a question for you, Alf. You mentioned earlier that you really care about how you place, how well you do. Um, well, I kind of noticed, like, you were talking about those mind shifts where some days you'd come home and you'd be like, oh, man, like, I didn't do so well. Like, I don't know how I feel. It was almost like you didn't know how you felt about jujitsu when you were down like that. But then you just get that rush again, you know, you'd be feeling yeah. good. Uh, do you think you would still feel as good about it had you done horribly in your first tournament? Or do you think that would have kind of crushed your soul a little bit? Like, would I have stopped... Like, yeah, like, would it have bummed you out? Do you think you would be as passionate about it as you are now? I don't think, um, I don't think that I would have ever stopped, like, ever, like, slowed down on jujitsu or lost my fire for it. I would have been pissed off and been like, why am I spending so much time, blah, 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 doing that? Like, because, like, the most important thing in the world to me right now is time. So it's like, why am I spending so much time doing it? But it's, it's also one of those things where I know I have to do it. Like, I was talking to, it sounds kind of dorky, like, I was talking to Brianna earlier, and I was like, I, this is something I have to do, it's not, it's not the option, like, anymore, it's like, I, I, I have to go train jiu-jitsu, whether I want to or not, whether, like, today, like, I didn't mentally feel good, um, after kids class, I, like, the last thing I wanted to do was go and sit, be in a room and go for, like, go work out, but it was like, nope, I have to, she's like, why don't you just go home, it's like, I can't, like, this is my obligation, it's something I chose to do, it's like, 
like to the point where you know Matt has given me like special little things, perks here and there, and said certain things about me. So it's even if I got last place, I wouldn't have. I don't think it would have actually like stopped me. That's all. why you'll do this for life. Yeah. <laughs> because you force yourself to go to class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. I know, it, and it's like, like, I talk shit about it, like, or I'll be like, it sucks because I have to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, or my, my <laughs> Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday nights, I have to do that. <laughs> but, like, it's not, I mean, it, I still want to. That's why I have to. Yeah, you still choose to every time. Yeah, it's still, yeah, it's still my choice. I don't think I've ever missed, since I started jujitsu, I've never missed a, missed a class because I didn't want to go. Like, every single time. Like, the times that I've missed, it's been because, like, and it's only been twice where it was, like, I can only see my girlfriend for this one night this week. Like, this is the only night that we are going to be able to see each other for the entire week. So, all right, I'll take this one gi class off, but I'll make up with it for two two no-gi nights, you know, or something like that. Or I'll make sure I at least go for the kids' class, so at least I'm getting something in. But, no, in, uh, like... Like, watching you in your first couple matches mm-hmm. really helped me, too. And seeing how, like, excited you were even after each match. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, hey, man, it was a good, it was a good this or a good yeah. that or, man, you got, like, you just bested me. Like, that's what made that, I think, made me feel more comfortable. It's like, dude, if, if Jack, who I know is one of the most competitive people I know, can, like, go out there and, like, lose a match and be, like, happy about it, mm-hmm. you know, and smiling and stuff, it's like... Well, then I should be able to, too. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, that's where, where I, that thought process even crossed my mind, where it was like, well, psh, freaking Jack's having a blast. Like, <laughs> I guess I, I, I can lose, I can, like, lose a match and be, like, having a good time, too. Even though I, I like, I got really mad. Mm-hmm. But So, do you stopped. feel like, because you saw how he reacted to it the helped. losses, that it helped, helped a you? lot. Okay, wow. It helped a lot. Like, that's I don't good. think, regardless, I would have, like, I, I don't think either way I would have stopped. But you wouldn't have that new perspective after, yeah. after you lost? Yeah, exactly. So, like, huh. that, that thought was, like, literally in my mind after, especially after I got triangled, and I was counting the points off in my head. I was like, I, like, if, if like, Jack can do this and have a good time being as competitive as he is, like, I can, I can enjoy this too. I still got pissed, and I was like, I want to break everybody's arm now. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, do you think if you try to explain that concept to somebody, and if they didn't have that visual and the actual tie to somebody that they knew, do you think they would still be able to have that new perspective? Uh, I don't know, because I probably, knowing me, I probably couldn't. Yeah, like, so if you say you were trying to learn from somebody who's been doing this, but you're only just... Like, if that them? didn't happen at that tournament... Like if Jack would have yeah, like if it, to if it wasn't tournament. Jack, if it wasn't yeah. Jack, or if it was just some other person, like yeah. do you think you would have still had that perspective? No, because I was like, that actual tie with him personally. It, it's the tie with him personally, yeah. knowing him and knowing his personality. Because if it was just like another, like even if it was one of the black belt that were refereeing, like hey man, like tough loss, man. But you know, in this one tournament, I did this. I'd be like, fuck you, I don't know yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you saw it with your own. Wow, that guy's yeah. really happy with sucking. Like, it's like whatever, like, yeah, <laughs> good for you, bro. Like yeah, you. Probably stop competing after that. Yeah. You could be a black belt without ever competing once, so you probably that's what probably you did. Like, <laughs> but like the fact that I saw, I saw, I saw you do that, and I saw you take it so well, and like not be like upset about it. Like, and especially the fact that it's like you've been training for three years, you have your purple belt, you're in this com- like you're in this competition, going against purple belts who have had their purple belts for three years, knowing that I've been training for. Um, at, at, yeah, for the last tournament, knowing that I was training for under 11 months, like under a year, asking everybody, oh, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been doing this? How long? Like, mm-hmm. there's a dude who lost every single match there who, um, 
who is a two-stripe white belt who has been training for a year and a half, oh, for 18 man. months, two stripes, and lost every single match. And when I went with him, he was definitely the easiest match that I've, I grappled. How often does he train, though? Super nice guy. I, I don't know. I didn't See, get that much. There's a lot of guys that will say they've been training for longer than they have, but it's like it's consistency, or did, was there time off, you know? Some people don't, you know, say how long they've actually... You know, mat time makes a lot more difference than mm-hmm. I started training this long ago. But know? I took a week off here, and I go two yeah. times a week. Yeah, or I go... I can only make it once a week unless we have a tournament coming up or, yeah, you know, something like that. But you never know. You know, you did very well, and well-deserved blue belt, that's for sure. Thank you. And on that note, I actually really have to take off. I have yes. to be awake in six hours. I probably work. do, too. Yeah, I gotta get up about 7.30. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you guys, guys so much. I appreciate it. You are fun. fascinated by Jack's approach to learning different techniques within jiu-jitsu especially in a world so filled with noise with the signal to noise ratio is really high most of us have a high information diet but if you look at the patterns and you see the redundancies and try to eliminate them as much as you can so that you can focus on new aspects new knowledge it seems it's really helped him I mean he's gotten his purple belt in three years and that is definitely quicker than the average I'm gonna try to implement it within my own practices as well Um, up next is uh, Andrew Klein when he went to compete. This was his first competition ever. He competed in no-gi. He started uh, jiu-jitsu, no-gi grappling, a, a couple of months ago. He has a wealth of experience in other competition and other activities. But I was really interested to see what brought him to competing in jiu-jitsu and pancreation. What his comparisons were to his previous start drinking coffee until I was in my probably late 20s or early 30s. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I imagine like the first sip that you took, you must have blasted <laughs> off to the moon, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started drinking coffee because I was a caver. I did a lot of caving and we would do these multi-hour caving trips and, Whoa. you know, we'd be up all night and then up all day and, you know, doing that kind of thing. So I started drinking coffee doing Wow, never look back. I bet that would be super helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make you feel superhuman a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So you competed in your first um, 
jujitsu competition. Yep. In Nogi at Proving Grounds. Yes. Have you ever done a competition before? Like. Only. Uh, well, yes. On, uh, high school athletics and you know, uh, race, running races, trail races, mm-hmm. swimming races, stuff like that. Yeah. So I've done a lot of competitions, but. And do you? Uh, you enjoy like the aspect of, of competition or is that something that just goes part and parcel with learning a new uh, athletic discipline I you know I don't usually articulate it that way but I do love competition mm-hmm. yes I yeah. really do yeah I, I do too and I used to think that before I got into athletics um, that competition was like I'm gonna crush that guy and I'm gonna you know feel better or show him that I'm better than him. Like, I thought it was, like, a weird ego thing, and I realized that it's so much more, because, like, in competition, any of the um, weaknesses of character that you have, like uh, procrastination or uh, (laughs) insecurities, anxieties, those things stare at you in the face at those moments the most, and if you um, try to avoid them, it is very obvious in your performance. Yes. And the the emotional consequence to um, not doing as well as you, you've tried to do is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and it causes at least me to hold myself more accountable than I would every day. You know, like if I um, am trying to eat differently or if I'm trying to go to bed on time, I'll be like, oh, yeah, it's night. You know, I'll just I'll go to bed a little, a little bit later. It'll be all right. I could slip. But in a competition, <laughs> and no. For some reason, just going to that event, all the expectation and, like, thoughts that go through my head leading up to it. Yeah. Just makes it a lot more impactful I yes suppose. yeah i like i like competition i like mm-hmm. it a lot i like I, I don't see it so much as me against the other guy as just the other guy pushing me to be yeah. the best i can be and if i can beat the other guy whether it's running or swimming or whatever mm-hmm. you know that's great but it's more about am i going as full throttle as i know how to go because mm-hmm. in the end of the day they're very similar to yourself aside from some slight genetic uh, advantages, <laughs> but all their preparation and your preparation is pretty much the only difference, yep. aside from that, their knowledge. Yep. Yep. And, yeah. And that, that's the, even in kickboxing, I experienced that because, like, once again, on an outsider, I'd look at, like, uh, mixed martial arts, and I'd say, wow, those guys hate each other. And doing it myself and competing, I've made the best friends with my competitors. Like, even with Alfred, when him and I were going to compete, um in proving grounds yeah we were helping each other and the whole idea was is that like alfred mentioned something that oh i'm telling you my game so you're going to be able to to beat me and then we were like <laughs> we both thought about it and we're like he's like no because every time that i let you into what i'm doing you push me further that's right and yeah yeah absolutely cool. yeah so when you were going into um proving grounds did you how did you prepare for it mentally or physically how did I prepare for it mentally or physically well um, the physical part I'll answer first I guess Uh, I just try and be you know my my silent mantra to myself is every year that I get older I want to be faster stronger better so and I know that there's a bell curve on that and uh someday i'll be on the other side of the bell curve but i'm trying to push that out as far as possible so i'm just always trying to be stronger faster better smarter every single year so i just i i train doing what i love i just 
you know, I, I'm not uh, scientific about it. I just, I train doing what I love. So, so intuitive. Yeah, whatever I feel like doing, I do. And that's what I do. So I swim, I run, I lift, I, you know, I go to uh, live wire, I, I do all these other things and I just do it as I love it. And with the whole goal of being in the best shape that I can be physically. So that's the physical part. I just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much a six to seven day workout kind of guy. And, you know, I'll take a day off every once in a while. But by and large, I need to be able to work out every day just for my own mental health and well-being. That's a fascinating thing because I was talking to those individuals that I had on the podcast in the Elm Clinic. And they were, um, they were talking about how exercise over time it becomes an addiction and you absolutely in, in a good way because this is a, <laughs> yeah. where you do it and your body breaks down and then yeah. you build and you become yeah. stronger but it was fascinating because i experienced the same thing not when i first started but when i got like hooked on just all forms of athletics whether it's mma or trail running right is that when i skipped a day i didn't feel very good yeah like, yeah i craved it yeah i i'm you know i just i'm a better person uh I'm a better I'm better at what I do in my job I'm better with my family I'm just a better human being if I have a physical outlet I know that about myself so I always have a high priority on working out but I'm also you know I've learned over my lifetime that life is cyclical right and there's phases and so every once in a while I'll hit a phase where it's like that takes a little bit less of a priority and I just go with it and don't feel bad about it because I know it'll kick back in when it's time. So I'm, I'm pretty uh, committed to trying to go with the flow and not be too uptight about things. And I admire that and I see it doesn't value. always work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you try though. I try. <laughs> but yeah. you would, um, overtraining and stuff, I, I feel like you can, you can avoid the pitfalls of overtraining with that intuitive approach because I've met um, a ton of trail runners especially the people who do like the 200 mile races. Right. And a lot of them say, oh, run for joy. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, you just, if you were enjoying it, yeah. run. You're going to perform better. Absolutely. And you're not going to run your body, your immune system down to where you're going to hurt yourself yeah. in the end. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And so what kind of mental training did you do up until this tournament? For proving grounds? Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is going to sound probably um, silly, but the mental training was really just getting in live wire in the first place, mm -hmm. right? Like just, you know, totally new medium, nothing I'd done before in a, in a structured way. And so for me, uh, just walking in that gym and starting that process with Matt and taking private lessons and then starting to go to the classes and just doing it was really the hard that was that was the hard part for me and and once i entered that and passed through that gate going to proving grounds was not that um challenging on a mental level yeah is that making sense that does make sense We're i mean of course you're a little nervous and it's a competition yeah, and you, you know you got all of that right, going yeah. on for sure but um i would say you know, on a scale of one to ten, walking into Matt's live wire for the first time, that was maybe a six. Oh, wow. And going to proving grounds and doing my first competition was maybe a three point five or four. 
I can relate because that's pretty much the very similar experience to what I've had. Whereas just stepping into the gym yeah. was way more difficult. <laughs> yeah. And not even the consistency, it was just getting in Just there. doing it. And, yep. For the first time. It's like anything, right? Doing anything that's new and you don't know anything about it and you're not going to be good at it and you don't know if you're going to like it and you don't know if you know, you're going to be accepted and all that stuff. That's the hard part. And that's uh, something that I was talking with Jack at Purple Belt. The one that yes. comes into live Yeah, I like, yeah, I like Jack a lot. He, he's oh, teaching yeah. me now. Yeah, and he, he's a good teacher. He's a he great teacher. Fascinating learning process. He got his Purple Belt in three years. I know. He's, like, he's great. But he talked about giving up his back because in grappling, um, you'll find like a, a type of submission, whether it be a triangle choke where you're, you know, you're, uh, your calf is around their neck essentially and you choke them you know behind your knee yeah um and that works and you get so good at that that you choke everybody out well the problem is is that people will create a deep counter to that eventually but the trap is is being so afraid to start over again with other submissions that you continually build onto that to where you're a one-trick pony right and in competition it doesn't fare well for you but also though as an individual it's almost like a, a universal principle because in almost everything is, is when you get really good at something and you're afraid to either branch out into a new area of that discipline yeah. or start something else entirely because being a beginner again is uh, frightening yeah yeah and it's, yeah. it's hard yeah, to swallow yeah the first steps are a little scary for sure mm -hmm. yeah and was there a social um, component that you with when you when you joined Livewire, was there were you worried about like uh, did you have any insecurities going into it? Oh yeah, there's all yeah I, yeah yeah. yeah. I, I'm so surprised because I look at you <laughs> right and I'm like, all right, this guy carries himself very well. You you, yeah. you have an air of confidence about you, right? Like uh, Trevor is another example. Now yeah. he's he's really insecure. I'm really insecure, <laughs> and people will come up to me and they're like, they would say that about me, and I'm like, no, nope, yeah. it's. Yeah, it can be bad sometimes. Yeah, hard. I think everybody's got their own little bundle of insecurity. At least that's been mostly my experience. So yeah, I had some insecurities around it. Um, mostly, well, I think like a lot of people. Um, just insecurities around you know, am I clear on why I'm doing this? Am I, am I actually going to interface with other people that I enjoy interfacing with? Am I going to like their company? Is this going to be fun for me? Are they going to get me and accept me with where I'm at? It's like joining any community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and knowing that I'm on the, you know, I'm, I'm on the older side of things and mm -hmm. I don't know anybody and that's not my culture and that's not my, you know, I mean, literally, I don't know. I didn't know anything about gra grappling or MMA or yeah, I didn't have when I walked in the door. You know? Like, I felt really out of place yeah. at first. Luckily, yeah. Matt's not everything I would have expected <coughs> someone to be an, a, an MMA fighter to be. Yeah. So I was I was very surprised. Yeah. It, it was super important to me that, you know, I'm. for me, it's all about am I having fun and am I learning, right? And am I pushing whatever envelopes that I want to push. And so for me, a big part of that is just am I enjoying it? And, and so, 
Matt's demeanor and his approach and how he handled me. And, you know, that was all going to be a huge part of whether or not I would want to continue at Livewire. Maybe I'd go somewhere else. But, you know, I wanted to know that, yeah, I, I like this guy. You know, he he gets me. He's He's adapting his style so that it works for me you know we're 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 in alignment and and then the rest you know can go from there yeah you just match he was great yeah mm -hmm. yeah so with uh proving grounds did you focus on any forms of technique or were you just like let's see what happens and uh prepare to respond <laughs> that's a great i've done both so. <laughs> yeah that's a great question well i'm a beginner right mm -hmm. so uh and when, when we grappled during classes and I would be up against, you know, purple belts or whatever, Matt would often say to me, he'd say, you know, okay, Drew, you know, you just focus on survival, right? And, <laughs> and uh, focus on not being tense and, and focus on fluidity and, you know, something's not working, don't get stuck, go to something else. So my goal in Proving Grounds was... To be as smart as I could be about it, and, and, and if I had the wherewithal in the moment to actually think about what I was doing out there with the other guy. But at the same time, if, if, if it got so that I wasn't at that, you know, if, if it was just a brawl and I wasn't able to, you know, think technique, just, just do the best you can do, right? Just, just survive. Yeah, exactly. So I went out there... <clears throat> Hoping for the former and, you know, experiencing the latter. I had fought, uh, four matches, you know, all pretty much right, one right after the other. And, you know, the first two, I was able to be a little bit more scientific and technical about it. And by the time this la last two came around, I was exhausted and I was, t and it was, it was just, just get out there and do the best you can. And, you know, my brain was not. It, it was not technical at that point. Yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> did you experience in that time where you're trying to tell yourself, do this move or do this, and you just, your body won't respond? Oh, yeah, I was so tired. And, you know, I mean, those my last two matches, those guys tapped me out. I think the last one, the guy tapped me out, like, within a, within a minute of getting out there, you know. Really? Oh, yeah, it was fast. It was really fast. Especially with that no gi, too. Man, yeah. It was incredible. The Noki is very aggressive. Yeah. I, I like it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I thought it was a blast. Mm -hmm. I had a blast. Yeah. The thing I was most anxious about was all you guys hanging around waiting for me. I mean, you were all, that's a long day. You know, you're all there. You've all competed. You're done. You could go home, you know, and you're all standing around for like an hour and a half until it's time for me to go and. You know, that was probably the most anxiety-producing part of the whole thing for me, really, quite oh, frankly. Really? Yeah. Yeah, see, I, that was really nice of you. You know, I mean, you guys don't know me that well. It was just very nice of you all to hang around and, yeah. and be supportive. And that's yeah. the thing that, that I, I value most is the community behind it. Yeah. And being able to watch people who are just honestly trying to be the best version of themselves. And, yeah, I think we all admire that and see that within our own selves. Because I, I even you know, was talking to Jack yeah, he he said that because uh, he'd go to tournaments by himself, and he said that the it was different just going with people. It was a lot more fun. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that that sense of going back to that sense of community, like this is 
this is one of the places, this the trail running, is where I experience a sense of community outside of my family. Yeah. But even sometimes stronger than my family. Be- because of like, uh, you know, what you go through. Right. And that shared struggle. Yeah. And yeah, and it, it was great watching you kind of put it all out there and <laughs> watching you have expectations <laughs> and then frustration because like, yeah. I, I'm just right there. And yeah. when I'm right there, I feel alone. And it's always nice to be reassured that everyone experiences that on some level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was definitely frustrated, you know. I mean, my whole goal was just to have fun and enjoy it. But, it, you know, so the, fir- the first two meets, I I had that sensation. Then the last two matches, in that moment, I was really disappointed. You know, it's like, wow, I got tapped out really fast and I'm exhausted. And, you know, I was, I was bummed. Um, but it was only for a few minutes and, you know, Matt helped me walk through it and then by the time I got in the car I was good to go you know but it's you, you just go through all of these different levels of of emotions and thinkings and that's why I like it yeah that's yeah that's why I like it too yeah it's really great do you have uh, any kind of takeaways uh, from that tournament that would be useful in your overall life or in your next tournament Well, I think my takeaway for the next tournament is probably what I could have predicted it would have been, which is um, just relax, you know, relax, have fun. Those guys that you're out there on the mat with, they're doing the best they can do. They're out there to have fun. They're out, you know, they got their own goals and just go out there and have fun. So I think for the, you know, I'm just trying to get as smart and technical as I can, you know, in my, in the practices and the lessons and the classes. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited to try it again, you yeah. know? Yeah, just be out there and do gi, no gi. I like no gi a lot. Uh, I probably like it better than gi, but yeah, I'll I, probably do both. I, I don't know. right there with yeah. you. I, I like the, so I like grappling and competition and no gi. Yeah. But I like the instruction and uh, system of right. gi. Whereas there's like belt ranking, and not in the sense of like, ooh, I'm a blue belt. But it's, I have levels. So yes. we're like, okay, I have to learn these things to get here, and then these things to get there. Yeah. You know, and like there's a, um, a system of progress, essentially. Yes. And whereas with like, because I did pancreation for two years, and that was, I started in gi. Uh, with jujitsu in like August, I believe. And oh, okay. It was nice with pancreation, but it wasn't like, oh, I've come this far. Like I could easily let, I could easily not realize how far I've come because there was no discussion of it. It was right. just, you know, progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like there is more structure around the gi scenario. You know, you do, you do have the belts and you do have, there's a lot of technique that, that, just revolves around the actual gi mm-hmm. so that adds a whole nother element which is fun and and I like that and I like the, the technicality of it all but I love the simplicity of no gi mm-hmm. and just the fact that it's just you just out there yeah and I, and I like it too because there's no holding like yeah. everything is right. it's quick you don't just sit yeah. there and wait exactly and yeah, yeah it makes it where it's a lot more playful for yeah. you as a coach yeah that's a good way to look at it.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would have used that word, but I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. It is poetry. guys for listening go check out livewire mma and kys promotions on facebook you guys have a wonderful week as you prepare for spring i know one thing that snow line is going to start receding and the mountains will be calling i'll be going up into the back country oh yeah <laughs> right now it's kind of focusing on uh outdoors enthusiasts i've got a little bit of wanderlust going on because all this cabin fever from this wintry pacific northwest stuff however i'm learning to embrace the cold and recreate in the winter time but i'll get there Um, go find yourselves a community and enjoy yourselves until next time